Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott and Melissa Hale. I'm going I'm to put a picture up here. Who knows what this is? What these people are doing? I had to look it up too. This is exercise. There, this is a family who is exercising. Isn't that interesting? Um, exercise is good for us, right? We needed it after that chili last night. We, you got to exercise. It makes you healthy. makes you strong. Builds up your muscles, right? Did you know the human body has 600, around 650 muscles in it? Yeah, it, and, and they, they're all different shapes and sizes. Anybody can tell me what the hardest working muscle is? The heart, that's right, the heart. The heart can pump about 2,500 gallons of blood in a day. Something about it makes me want to hurl. But 2,500 gallons of blood. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. Wow. And in a, in a lifetime, it has the ability to beat more than 3 billion times without skipping a beat. 3 billion times. Don't start, don't start thinking about your heartbeat, by the way. It'll just weird <laughs> you out. Just, just let it don't happen. Don't wow. worry about it. Can anyone tell me what the largest muscle is? Gluteus maximus, right? As we call it the bum bum. That's not appropriate. Yes, the largest. Some some are larger than others. Yes. It's not appropriate either. The strongest muscle. Some people think the strongest muscle is your tongue, but it's not. It is your jaw. Based on a but uh, pound, poundage uh, on weight, the muscle in your jaw can close your teeth at a force of 200 pounds. Isn't that amazing? The muscles in your eye are some of the most active. If you're reading a book in one hour, your eyes make about 10,000 coordinated movements. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty amazing. There are 43 muscles just in your face. And did you know it takes all of them to frown? Right? That's why you get so tired when you're grumpy. Because you're using so much energy. It only takes about half of those 17 muscles to smile. So everybody give me a smile. See, it actually gives your face a rest. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that feel nice? So today I want to talk about a different kind of muscle. This isn't a muscle technically you're going to see in a medical journal. Um, But it is one that we all exercise, though probably not nearly enough. I call it the no muscle. The no muscle. The no muscle is a muscle you exercise anytime you say no to anything. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, there was a big study that was done a long time ago. Right. So, we, we uh, has anyone ever heard of the marshmallow challenge before? It's not stuffing as many marshmallows in your mouth as you can. It's a little different. Uh, we asked a group of four- and five-year-olds to participate in a marshmallow challenge. And here's, here's what we told them. We sat them at a table with one huge, fluffy, delicious marshmallow. And we said, you can eat this marshmallow right now. Or if you wait three minutes, when we come back in the room, we're going to leave you, shut the door. When we come back, if you haven't eaten it, we'll give you a second marshmallow. Three minutes. So... These children you're about to see were alone in a room by themselves. This is a famous study we recreated. With only one marshmallow. And if they withheld, if they used their no muscle, they could get two. All right, let's see what happens. We'll see how they did. Here we go. 
give him a big hand. Proud to say all of our test subjects got their second marshmallow. You know, one of them just took a little nibble. It's the, small, the smallest little nibble. Oh, man. What willpower, right? So, so when you say no to a dessert because you're on a diet, you're exercising your no muscle, right? When you say no to certain temptations during the day, grown-ups, that come your way, you're flexing your no muscle. When you say no to the snooze button in the morning before work because, you know, you need to get up and read some Bible. You've got to get some prayer time in there. You are exercising your no muscle. Even, as we've talked about before, even when you say no to good things so that you can say the resounding yes to something greater, that is exercising your no muscle. So for some people, and maybe you're like me, uh, you're no, saying no is a muscle that doesn't get nearly enough exercise, right? I have, I have trouble saying no to tasty things, as you can see. Uh, so the question is, how do we exercise it? How do we exercise that muscle? We know how to exercise the rest of your body. If you want to work on your biceps, you know, do some curls, right? Get some weights and do some curls. If you need to exercise your, your, your quads, you're going to do some squats. Um, I've never done any of these things, but I've heard this is what you do. If you're going to exercise uh, your heart muscle, you got to do some cardio, right? Get that heart pumping. We know how to exercise those muscles, but how do we exercise this very important muscle, the most important of all, this no muscle? And the answer is the fine art of fasting. Fasting. Interesting. Ooh, exciting, right? Now, if we had put out on social media, it's come Sunday, we're going to be talking about fasting. Uh, about half of you would not be here, I'm guessing, right? Not the most exciting thing you've ever heard, I'm, I'm guessing. But today I want to talk to you about this powerful, practical tool that has the amazing power to help shape our hearts into what Christ looks like, the heart of Christ. It's something, fasting is something that all Christians, no matter what age you're at, no matter what level of spiritual maturity you're at, all of us can participate in and should be participating in. Because fasting is something that we see in the Bible. All through the Bible, all of the heroes of the Bible are fasting. Old and New Testament. We see Old, Old Testament folks fasting. Jesus himself fa famously fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days with nothing. Nothing to eat or drink for 40 days. The apostles, Paul and Barnabas, fasted. The early church, we know from church historians, they commonly fasted every week, sometimes often uh, for the first few hundred years of the church, twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays, was just expected that the church would fast. Sometimes even new converts, before they were allowed to be water baptized, they would, be, they would put them on a 40-day fast. This was just something the church did. Often the church would fast in the days before Easter, sometimes a seven-day fast, sometimes a 21-day fast, sometimes a 40-day fast. That's where we get Lent, the season of Lent. But it's always been a part of Christian life. And for some reason, fasting is one of those things that's a little bit more neglected these days in the church. But Jesus says this in Matthew 6. Let me show you what he says. In the, he's, it's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and he tells us this. When you fast, notice that right there. We could just leave it right there, because look at that. He doesn't, he doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. So Jesus is expecting 
that we're going to be fasting. He doesn't treat it as an optional for Christ followers. It's not an if you fast, when you fast. And then he says, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. In other words, don't look all gloomy because they, they would start fasting and they would purposefully make themselves look really sad and walk around so everybody would know how spiritual they are. And it's so hard following Jesus. Oh, you know, they would do this. He says, you know what? They've had the reward. Basically, if your goal of fasting is to get recognition and admiration from people, you might get that. But that'll be the extent of your reward. He says, when you fast, brush your hair, wash your face. Then you won't look like you're fasting to people, but only to the Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So fasting is, it's not a way to prove how pious we are. That's not what it's about. Uh, Or to get other people or to get God to be impressed with you. That's not the purpose of it. Jesus teaches us that fasting, the discipline of fasting, should actually bring a lightness to our hearts, a joy and a peace to us, right? You know, the Satan came to tempt Jesus at the end of his 40 days of fasting. I think the devil thought he was going to be at his weakest moment, but I think he was at his strongest. I think Jesus was stronger then than when he began. There's something about fasting. It is a discipline that brings us closer on our insides to the heart of God. Fasting is, and I'll tell you, it's, it's the one spiritual discipline that'll just fast track the purposes of God in your life. Sometimes fasting is the the key to unlocking those things. Now, I want to get down to some basics here. Let's ask, what is fasting? What is fasting? Some of you might be new to the church, and so you're wondering, what is all this about? Well, typically, let's just make it real simple at first. In the Bible, what we see in the Bible, typically fasting is simply giving up food for a specific period of time for a specific purpose. Giving up food for a specific period of time for a specific purpose. Very simple. In the Bible, some people do um, a partial fasts. So uh, you might have heard of the Daniel fast. The, our church has done that together for a couple of years. The Daniel fast, that's where you, you uh, take out everything except for, for fruits and vegetables. Um, no, no meats or sweets or things like that. Um, we see some folks go hardcore and they do a complete fast like Jesus did. And a complete fast is nothing, no food at all. Sometimes, sometimes uh, just bread and water or something like that for a period of time. Now, I will say this. If you've never fasted before, don't start off with this one. I wouldn't advise you to start off. I recommend you not do a complete fast, especially one for like 40 days like Jesus in the wilderness, because A... You're setting yourself up for failure, most likely, let's just be honest, because you haven't exercised those spiritual no muscles before, right? And so you're setting us up for failure. And, and B, you could die, um, especially if you try going without water for more than 48 hours or something like that. So I, I'll say this also, a little public service announcement. If you're going to do any kind of more extreme type of fast, do it with the knowledge of your doctor. Talk to your doctor, uh, especially if you have any kind of medical issues or something like that. But you know what? We've also seen God today work powerfully through other types of fast as well, not just food fast. Because remember, we're not living under the law right? We're not being governed by the Torah here. Uh, So this is a discipline that brings our heart and our body into alignment with what God wants to do through you and around you. It's bringing us into alignment with God's will. And so there may be other areas in your life that you can fast beside food. Something I've engaged in before is a media fast. Uh, This is important. This This is an example of a fast that 
They wouldn't have even thought about, you know, in the, in the first century AD or BC. They, they wouldn't, this wouldn't have been something to maybe give up. Commit before God to unplug. Put, sometimes it's put down the TV remote uh, or the internet for a certain length of time uh, in order to just recalibrate our soul. It is so powerful to do that, a digital fast. Some people will... Uh, uh, will fast certain forms of entertainment or something else like that on a, on a temporary basis in order to devote that time to some extra time in prayer, uh, study of Scripture. Another type of fast we see in the Bible, in Isaiah 58, the Lord calls His people into a, a type of fast. He calls them to fast from their wealth. From their wealth. He says, I've given, I, I, he says, I want you to fast from the blessings that I've given you, the wealth that I've blessed you with, because you're getting too self-centered with your wealth. And in, in this scripture, he calls them to think of the poor, think of the needy, think of the oppressed, think of, of basically someone other than yourself and quit spending all your resources on yourself. Um, now, I, I, <clears throat> let me add this. Technically, fasting is when you temporarily forego something that would normally be considered a blessing. You're temporarily foregoing it, and at some point, the fast ends, and, and you may go back to enjoying that, that blessing. So technically, a fast is not about giving up your vices for a specific period of time. I know some of, some of us like to, yeah, well, I'm going I'm, you know, to fast smoking cigarettes for six weeks or something like that. That's great. Just consider stopping smoking altogether. You know, don't go back. Don't go back. I'm going to give up crack cocaine for a few weeks. That's wonderful. And just let's pray that that bondage is released and you never have to go back to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast gossip. Hallelujah. Never go back. Don't go back to it. So, so that's just something to keep in mind. It's, it's, it's technically, it's giving up something that would normally be a, a blessing. Um, so fasts can be food, but they can be other things beside food. And that's important, especially important if you're someone who has maybe a medical issue or something like that, where you know, your diet's very important that you stay on this diet. Um, or children is a, is a great example. You know, kids need lots of calories, so we're not asking them to give up meat. Um, but for the rest of us, I would... Con- encourage you to strongly consider food because food is something we do see patterned in the Bible and there just seems to be some mysterious direct connection between our stomachs and our brains, right? There's something going on there. That fasting food, it exploits that connection like nothing else. You can also fast for any length of time. The, the amount of time, there's nothing magical about how, much, how, how long you decide to fast, whether it's a 40-day, 7-day, 1-day, 3-day. But there are some biblical precedents. We can look in the Bible and see that. Uh, Jesus, as I said, we've talked about that, fasted for 40 days. Daniel fasted for 21 days, hence the 21-day Daniel fast. Esther, uh, in that story, fasted for 3 days. Uh, Nehemiah fasted, and we don't know exactly how long, but there was some real spiritual, it led to spiritual breakthrough. In, in his land. And I think what fasting does is that it leads to breakthrough. It disrupts the status quo. There's something about fasting that just interrupts the same old, same old, and it jars our bodies into realigning with what God is doing, what God is doing. Now, here's something else fasting is not. I'll say this. Fasting, it's not a way to get God to be more impressed with you. 
We're not fasting so God will notice us, right? We're not trying to get him, we're not trying to trick him into getting his attention. I'm not hoping that God will say, you know what, I haven't really paid any attention to Scott lately, but I see he's not eating in a while, and I've never seen that happen. So I'm going to go over and see what's going on with Scott. You know, that's not the goal. Um, fasting doesn't focus God's attention on you. His, his attention is already on you. Do you understand? God is already focused on you. Fasting focuses our attention on what God is up to. That's important to understand. We're not here to impress God. We're here to know him better, right? So let me talk about several different reasons for fasting. We see in the Bible there's a lot of different kinds of fasts and different motives for fasting. Uh, I'm not gonna, I can't list them all because there's many, many, but we're going to list today just three of them, these motives that we see in Scripture, because I think this will help frame our why when you decide to fast. The first motive I'm going to look at is the seeking fast. The seeking fast. This is simply, you're fasting to seek God, to know him better, to grow, draw closer to him. And you want to seek him with more intensity, with more intentionality. And this is great. I think the story of Nehemiah is a great example of this. Check this out. In Nehemiah chapter 9, this is so great. It says, on October 31, and I love that we know the date. Isn't that, how cool is that? The people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. So they spent three hours, get a picture of that, three hours just studying the words of God. And then it says that for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. And there was a humongous breakthrough in the land. I'm telling you what, you tell me what would happen if everyone in this church took a day, took, spent three hours in God's word, all of us, right? And each one of us said, I'm going to spend three hours confessing my sin and worshiping God. Tell me what would happen. I'm telling you what, God would do what he does, what God does in the, in the Bible. I mean, we, we would rebuild the walls of the city. That's what Nehemiah ended up doing. We would rebuild the walls of our school, right? Revival in our, in our places of business, in our neighborhoods, just like they did. It would be, I, I'm convinced it would be a game changer. But the seeking fast is, is a way to really say, God, it's, it's not about seeking blessings or, or what you can give me. You are the reward. This is where we say, God, you are the reward. I seek your heart. I want to know your heartbeat. I want to know what makes you tick, what breaks your heart. And there's something happens, I'm telling you guys, when you fast, your heart becomes sensitized to the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. It, it's, 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 a, it's hard to even describe what is happening and how it happens. But he starts, to, he breaks down those calluses of our heart that build up just through life. And our hearts become softened toward what breaks the heart of God. And that's important. Okay, the second fast I want to look at, let's call it the direction fast. The direction fast. If you have a major, let's say you have a major decision to make. And I always encourage people when they have something big like this, I encourage them to go into a season of fasting Go into fasting because there's something about it. It purges your motives. It purges your body, but it clears your mind so that you can hear God's voice. 
And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes what it does is it gets rid of all those other voices that you've been listening to so that God can say something to you and it might be something that you normally don't want to hear. But it clears away the clutter so you can hear him speak clearly. But fasting, it'll enable you to hear it and respond to it. Um, in the book of Esther, you know, we see Queen Esther. She was in a very dire situation. She knew she needed to do something to save the life of her people, even if it meant going to the king and risking her life. And what did she do? She recruited all of her fellow Jewish people to come together and join her in a fast. And they fasted for three days for favor and for guidance. And that's exactly what she got. She found favor and she stopped a genocide and, and saved her people. So this is an important fast. And then the third type of fast I want to talk about is the breakthrough fast. Think of this as the breakthrough fast. You know what? Nothing will break bondage in your life, especially some kind of habitual sin, uh, addictions, like, like fasting, like fasting. I'm not saying it's always just going to happen like that when you fast, but, but and, and I'm not saying don't seek counseling or accountability, but when we do all of that stuff and we fast, when we're fasting, whether it's we're fasting food or fasting something else, some other blessing from the Lord, when we fast, it breaks bondage. It breaks the bondage in your life. In Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is this not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the throngs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? There's something, there's something about intentionally just allowing yourself to experience an empty stomach, right? It positions you in the presence of God to fill you to fill you with his spirit. When, when you stop being a temple to the idol of, of food for a day, we remember that we, we are to embrace our identity as, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And there's something about emptying your stomach. It puts you in a place where God can fill us with his spirit. And when he does that, when, when we allow God to do that, then his power, the Greek word for that is dunamis, that God power, that godly power, that dunamis power, and his willpower, the Greek word there is exousia. It's a willpower that you don't have, but the Holy Spirit has it. That power fills you in a way so that you begin to be able to exercise that no muscle. And you might be thinking, oh, I can't, I can't fast. There's no way I could last, you know, more than a few hours. But God does something amazing. He fills you with his dunamis, that exousia, that, that willpower, so that you can say yes to him, so you can say no to the things that try to keep you in bondage. Fasting does that. So there's three, three motives, three motives for fasting that we see there. The seeking fast, the direction fast, the breakthrough fast. And like I said, there's others that we could talk about. There's a fasting of thanksgiving that when we give up something, it's just to, remind, to, to fill our hearts with gratitude. There's a fasting that can get you out of a rut. Sometimes we just get in kind of a spiritual rut, you know, of the same old, same old, and fasting can break us out of that. There's some other things, but these are the ones we want to focus on today. Listen, how many of you need God to do something radical in your life? You need a radical move of God, Right? I talk to a lot of you, and I know there are some radical needs in here. There's some miraculous needs that cannot be met unless God moves in a radical way. Well, how many of you know, if you want to see God do radical things, you've got to be willing to be moved in radical ways. You do the same thing, you get the same results, right? Same thing, same results. Amen. If you want to see God move in a radical way, you've got to be willing to move in radical ways. So as lead pastors, Melissa and I are calling 
all of us to a fast. We're calling us to a fast, an all-church fast, and it's coming up. We're giving you some heads up. It's coming up in, in seven days. It's starting on April 1st, and it'll continue for 20 days right up until Easter morning. And this is, I want to challenge you to join us in this as a, as a church body. What I'm asking you to do this week over these next seven days is to pray and plan. Pray and plan. Very simple. In your, go, go home, talk to the Lord and see what God would have you fast, what kind of fast he would have you do. And there's a lot of different kinds of fast. Like I said, over the past couple of years, we've done a Daniel fast and that may be the perfect one for you this time too. But we wanted to open it up because some, sometimes God speaks to us in different ways where we need him, where we need to fast, you know, and he knows that. So maybe you want to do a partial fast, Daniel fast for, for all 20 days. Or maybe you want to do a, you're like a hardcore, you're a spiritual giant, you're ready. You want to do a complete fast uh, for a period of time. Or maybe for a complete fast for a few days each of the weeks. Um, it's, it's three weeks. Uh, if you feel, maybe you feel like God is lead, leading you into a digital fast, right? No screens or something like that. No screen, no internet. Maybe... Uh, maybe you're somebody, you want to build up gradually. You want to just seek the Lord and build up gradually. And on that last week, that passion week, those seven days before Easter, you want to dive into a, a total fast. Uh, whatever it is, we're not going to get legalistic about it. We don't want to get legalistic. We want to get spiritual about it, right? Amen? That's the goal. And we're not here to impress each other. We're not trying to outdo each other. We're not here to impress God. We want to seek God. And so what he leads you to do, I encourage you to pray, but pray and do something. Um, from the bottom of my heart, I ask you to pray and do something. And let me ask to remind you of something else. This is good news. Fasting is not just between you and God. This is not just a you and God kind of activity. In Scripture, when we look at the model of the church, fasting is always done in community. It's always done in community. You're not meant to go through this alone, right? So if you're a part of, of this generation tribe, you're part of our family, and we want to do this together. We want to do this with you because we want to see God do miraculous things in our midst, in our community, and I want to see God do miraculous things in you and your family's life. So here's what I'm fasting for, just so you know. What am I praying? I'm praying for God to shape this church in his image in a fresh way. I'm praying for, revive, for revival. I'm asking God to revive in us a new commitment to being like Jesus, to loving each other like never before so that at generations no one walks alone. I'm asking God to give us a fresh revelation of that. I'm asking for God to revive in us a deeper commitment to share Jesus with others, every single person here becoming not just a disciple but a disciple maker, right? All of us. That's, that's my prayer. I'm asking God to give us a fresh passion to serve arm in arm in, in the army of the Lord, to walk in unity. That's the kind of unity that Jesus says the world will notice and they'll wonder at it. For us to walk in unity and to walk in purpose, the purpose that he's given us to make his name famous. We got to make his name famous, Lord, because I'm telling you guys, the, the time is short and there's people out there who are desperate. They are desperate for a savior and they don't even know it. So we, we've, the time is short. So ask yourself, ask yourself, what are things that draw you away or distract you from Jesus? If you're, if you're wondering, well, maybe I don't want to do, maybe I don't want to fast food, but what should I fast? Ask yourself, what draws you away or distracts you from Jesus? 
What things become excuses for not participating in community or serving others? And maybe they're things that are blessings. They, would, they should be blessings. The Lord has blessed you with them, but they have become a substitute savior to you. What, what functional, like a functional savior, what functional savior do you run to when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're lonely? What are you running to? It ought to be a blessing, but it's become a functional savior to you instead. Instead of leaning on the spirit of God, if you're looking for what to fast, those could help you find an answer. So I'm asking each of us, each one of us, to rise up, be the church. Fasting is a way that we, we become the church, right? Don't just come and be a spiritual consumer. Be a disciple, right? Join the family. Be a disciple and a disciple maker. That's our prayer. Be part of the family of God. I'm believing God for revival in your life and for revival in Generations Church. Amen. I want to pray with you this evening, this morning. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Lord, you've given us such a beautiful example of Jesus so that we can read about, that we can live by. I thank you, Lord God. Help us to keep our focus on Jesus as we do life together in this church, Lord. Father God, we want to be more like Jesus. May we be more like him every single day. Help us to help each other become more like Jesus. The way you love other people, help us to be like that. Help us to be obedient. The way Jesus was obedient to your will, Father. This is, this is our goal. God, help us to not just be hearers of your words, but to be doers of the word who is Jesus. I pray now, Lord God, as we go from this place today, that we practice what we hear, what we learn, and that we would allow you to just shine your light inside us and cleanse us, Father God, from all those areas of our life we know we need breakthrough. We look forward, Father God, to what you have in store, to the miracles you're about to do in the people individually, in these families of Generations Church, Lord God, and in the miracles you want to do through us as a community. We thank you as you equip us to serve others. Lord, may we hunger for you more than we hunger for food, more than we hunger for screens, more than pleasures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.